everybody, and welcome to The Snap, a Marvel Cinematic Universe recap podcast where we're going to be talking about all 21 Marvel movies leading up to Avengers Endgame. I'm your host, Kayla Jouette, and on this episode, we're going to be talking about how attractive Loki is. Just kidding, but not really. Uh, this is episode eight, meaning we're going to be talking about Thor The Dark World, and here in defense of this film is Tessa Bro. Hello. <laughs> hey, uh, how are you? Are you doing good? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm 27, Louisiana. So um, I don't really know what to say. I don't have anything major or important to talk about other than how much I love the word dark world. But Right. Yeah, you're a defender. I know that. So <laughs> um, what are you? Aren't you in school? Yes, actually, I am. What uh, are you in for school for? Business. Business. I tried that yeah. and... Gave up real quick, so props to you. <laughs> uh, well, originally I was a theater major, and I'm probably about 23 hours away from graduating for that, but I just decided to restart. You can always go ahead and double major business and theater, so. It's true. <laughs> um, this is episode eight, so this is the episode that I'm sorry, Tessa, but I've been kind of dreading, uh, just because I know this movie gets a little bit not a lot it gets a lot of hate um which is fine because that's why you're here because you love it so much (laughs) and you could maybe knock some sense into everybody about it oh i doubt that i've been trying but it doesn't work so (laughs) you know rewatching this film it's not it's really not a terrible film it's just there's a lot (laughs) of problems with it and i feel like i was telling you earlier when i was trying to make my script for the recap i kept like not paying attention when normally I'm just drawn because there's just I was, it's there's a lot going on. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go ahead started us off with the recap that I like to keep around ten minutes. But you know, lately I've been timing them and they've been closer to like fifteen, so might have to switch that up. So so yeah, about like ten to fifteen minute recap. Then we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna do a little review and then we're gonna do the rating system. And I will ask you. Uh, I'll ask Tessa about her top three Marvel films. And then per usual, we're going to go into spoiler territory for Endgame towards the end. So are you ready for me to recap? Yeah. All right. Well, let's do it. So Odin is speaking to us. Long before the birth of life, there was darkness, which created the dark elves. The most ruthless of their kind tried to transform our universe back to darkness through the power of the ether, the ancient force of infinite destruction. Armies of Asgard waged war against these Dark Elves, and the Dark Elves used the Aether to become cursed. Um, as the Nine Worlds aligned above him, Malekith, the leader of the Dark Elves, uh, could release the Aether, but at the last second, Asgard ripped the weapon from his grasps, and the Dark Elves fell. The Aether was buried deep, so no one could ever find it again. So we go to Asgard, and we see Loki in chains, walking to confront his mother and his father. Odin asks if he feels the gravity of his crimes. Everywhere he goes, there are ruins and death. And Loki says it is his birthright to gain the throne. And Odin says his birthright was to die as a child. And if he didn't take him in, he wouldn't be here right now. He says his mother is the only reason why he's alive and he will never see her again. He will spend the rest of his days in the dungeons. And Thor has to undo the damage he's done, bringing order to the Nine Realms. Then Thor will be king. In Vanaheim, uh, Thor and friends are fighting an ambush. By the way, if I pro- if I pronounce any of these names wrong, my bad. I'm not, uh, I don't know Norse that well. <laughs> so in Vanaheim, uh, Thor and friends are fighting an ambush. Uh, they're fighting a little bit. This large rock ogre looking dude 
approaches Thor, and Thor hits him with his hammer. He cracks into pieces, and then the entire ambush lays down their weapons. Thor tells Hogan, one of the Warriors Three, to stay in Vanaheim with his people. Thor summons the Bifrost and leaves, and then we are back on Asgard, and we see Odin with his ravens. A bunch of the warriors are training. Odin tells Thor that he has earned their respect and his gratitude, and everything is in order except his confused and distracted heart. Time has come for him to take the throne, but he's too busy thinking about Jane. At night, while everyone celebrates, Thor keeps to himself. So we flash to London, where we see Jane trying to go on a date, and Darcy interrupts the date. She says that their research is going off the charts, kind of like their friend Eric was saying before he went crazy. So Jane leaves the date, and her and Darcy go to check out the disturbances. Jane tries to contact Eric, but he isn't answering. They show up at an abandoned building to find a bunch of kids who found something cool and goes to show them what it is. There's this huge truck floating in the air, and then they also find the spot where they could drop a bottle in the air. It disappears and comes right through the top on the other end, just like the portal games, except you can't really see the portal. So Jane says that she hasn't seen readings like this since New Mexico, and she wanders off by herself to wander into a portal that transmits her into another realm. She walks around, finds this red liquid, reaches out to it, it latches onto her and flows throughout her body. We see a larger ship out in the universe come to life. Malekith is awakened by the ether, and he says that he knows it is returned. So Thor meets with Heimdall, where he tells them that the Convergence is starting again. And Thor's like, how's Jane? And Heimdall's like, she's clever. She studies the Convergence, but he can't see her right now. So we find Jane. She wakes up lying on the ground in the building and runs outside to see Darcy called the cops. Darcy tells her that she was gone for five hours and freaked her out. So it starts raining around them, and she looks over to find Thor. She slaps him for not coming back. He says the Bifrost was destroyed and he had to take care of the Nine Realms. Believable. And then she says, I saw you on TV in New York. And he's like, oh, I had to protect you from that. It's a weird, a weird scene. So police come to arrest her. And when the cop goes to grab her, she has this burst of red energy that blasts everyone around her away from her. So Thor brings Jane to Asgard to be looked at. They have her on this table and are using a soul forge, which I believe comes from the soul stone, so that's pretty cool, to look at the ether inside of her body. Odin comes in and says Thor did not listen to him, and he insults Jane. He tells the guards to take her back to Midgard, and they grab her, and she has another burst of energy. Odin now understands why she's here and brings them to another history lesson. Odin opens up a book to tell them about the dark elves and the ether. They so desperately want to spread darkness to all other planets. The Nine Realms are not eternal. The Dark Elves used to reign absolute and unchallenged. There are relics around the realms, but Malekith used one to create the ether in a liquid form. He says the Dark Elves are dead, and he doesn't know how to get the ether out of her. However, we see the Dark Elves are not dead, and they are watching the Convergence get closer. Malekith makes his servant a curse so he can sneak into Asgard and take the ether. We see the Warriors Three bring in a Dark Elf in disguise to their prison, where Loki sits and watches. Thor and Jane talk, he explains her the convergence, and they kiss. Um, The cursed elf is now escaping from the Asgard prison, and he's killed everyone in his cell. He's too strong for the warriors, and he lets out all the other prisoners, except for Loki, who tells him to use the stairs on the left. So Thor assumes it's Loki who's stirring up problems in the prison, leaves Jane with his mother. He flies over there, starts taking out the prisoners. Um, Frigga, I think I'm getting it right. Uh, uh, the mom's name is Frigga. So Frigga grabs a soldier's weapon and tells Jane to do everything she asks, no question. We see the Dark Elves' ships ride into Asgard. The main ship crashes inside the walls of the palace, and Malekith and his army start attacking the warriors of Asgard. Odin arrives too late and sees everybody dead. Malekith goes to Frigga and Jane, and 
um, Frigga starts fighting with him. They try to take the ether from Jane, but it's just a, a projection made by Frigga because she has similar powers to Loki. Um, she says she will never tell them where she is, and they stab her. Odin and Thor walk in after this, and everybody is big sad. So we have a funeral for her. It looks like a scene from Tangled. She rides off into the boat to the edge of their realm. They light the boat aflame, and she becomes a part of the stars, possibly going to Valhalla since she died a warrior's death. Um, a guard approaches Loki and tells him what has happened, and he destroys everything in his room. So Eric is in the psych ward, and he's using some shoes to talk to people about the convergence and an alignment. Stan Lee cameos here as a patient asking for his shoe back. Jane steps outside in Asgard and sees the entire city in red and her eyes turn all black and one of the soldiers takes her away. Thor confronts Odin about taking Jane. Uh, Thor explains to him his plans to bring Jane to the Dark Realm to have them extract the ether from her and when it's vulnerable, he will strike. Odin says, if he fails, he will lose everything and the entirety of what they stand for to protect will fall. Heimdall tells Thor that the risks are too great, but he can't do anything because Odin shut down the Bifrost. Thor says they all need to commit treason, him, Lady Sif, and the Warriors Three. They need to open the Bifrost without being seen, and there's only one person who can do that. So Thor goes to see Loki, and he is grieving over the loss of their mother. Thor says if he helps him escape Asgard, he will grant him vengeance. He walks out with Loki, and Loki transforms into different characters. He transforms into Captain America. It's a great scene. Um, Lady Sif sneaks Jane out. Heimdall distracts Odin by telling him that he's committed treason. Every person in their group threatens Loki that if he betrays Thor, they will kill him. And Jane, Loki, and Thor are on the crashed Dark Elf ship. They boot it up to escape Asgard. They're leaving by the ship, but they're being followed by the Asgardian soldiers. Uh, Loki just keeps telling Thor how dumb his idea was, and Thor pushes him out the window, then falls with him into a smaller boat that Fandral is on. Loki takes through takes them through his secret passage out of Asgard into the Dark Realm that I cannot pronounce, so I'm not going to try. The Dark Elves um, feels the Aether's presence on the world, and Malekith begins searching for him. So the brothers argue with each other. Uh, Loki tells Thor he let Frigga die. Thor says she wouldn't want them to fight, and Loki's like, well, she wouldn't be shocked. So no, Darcy and her intern, er Ian, get Eric out of the hospital. He says that the convergence is happening sooner than he thought. So Jane wakes up on their ship, and her eyes are pitch black, and she sees Malekith's ship from afar. The three of them set off on foot towards the Dark Elves. As soon as Thor relieves Loki of his handcuffs, he stabs him, kicks him down the cliff. Uh, Thor goes to call Mjolnir, and Loki cuts off his hand. He takes Jane and throws her to Malekith and says he wants to sit with him and watch Asgard burn. So Malekith raises Jane into the air, starts taking the ether out of her body. It's all out of her system, and it's just sitting in the air when Thor says, Loki, now! And Loki makes Thor's hand appear again. It was all a trick. He grabs Mjolnir and throws it into the liquid ether. Um, it blows up into a ton of tiny pieces, but then reassembles itself and is thrown into Malekith. So he leaves to go back onto his ship. A fight breaks out with some of his crew. The big guy that snuck into the prison attacks Thor while Loki takes out Malekith's other men. Uh, Loki then goes to save Thor, but he is stabbed through the heart by the big guy before using his own bomb against him. Loki says he'll see you in hell, and the monster blows up. Before Loki dies, Thor says he will tell Father what he did today. He says he didn't do it for him, and he dies, and Thor mourns for him. Thor starts this huge tornado with his emotions on this planet. I think it's Thor. Could just be a tornado, but it, it seems seems pretty coincidental. 
So Jane and Thor stumble into a cave. Jane gets phone service, so she stumbles around until she finds the portal back into London and meets up with the crew. We see Loki, alive, disguise himself as an Asgard soldier and approaches Odin to tell him that they found Loki's body but not Thor. Eric pins all the coordinates of the Convergence and finds that they all meet up together in Greenwich. Uh, so they start setting up their gear in a spot and see Malekith's ship arrive in Greenwich. Thor crashes down, approaches him, starts the fight. The Convergence is in effect for seven minutes, meaning they have eight minutes to keep Malekith at bay. So he tells him that his Earth will be extinguished from existence. Jane and Eric are using these gravitational fields to make enemies move away from the fight. There's a lot of transporting back and forth um, between London and the Dark Realm. There is a callback to Thor, where an ice beast thing jumps through a portal into London. The realms are almost completely aligned, and Malekith goes to approach them with his ether. Um, it flows into the other realms and starts turning them black. Uh, Thor goes inside the ether to approach Malekith with Jane's gear, throws it at him. Jane triggers it and explodes, making him vulnerable. Thor crashes into him with his own ship. Jane hits the last one, and he is transmitted back into the Dark World, and his ship falls on top of him. So, they're eating breakfast two days later, and Thor is not there, and Jane says, well, he said that he, he'll be back, but he's got to figure some stuff out with his father. You know, he committed treason. So Odin is talking to Thor, who asks what Asgard can offer their new king in return for saving the realms. Thor says he will protect Asgard from afar, be a good man, instead of a great king. Odin says, one son who wanted the throne too much, one who will not take his legacy. Thor tells him that Loki died with honor. He tried to give back his hammer, but Odin says, no, it belongs to you. So Thor leaves the castle, and then we see Odin transform into Loki sitting on the throne, setting us up for a good start to Thor Ragnarok. So two end credit scenes. The first one, really cool. We see Lady Sif and the bearded one, that I always forget his name, the bearded one of the Warriors 3, at the Collector's Place to hand over the ether. The Collector, who we learn more about in Guardians of the Galaxy, um, asks them, why not keep it secure on their own home? And he says, the Tesseract is on Asgard, and it is not wise to keep two Infinity Stones in one place. They leave, and the Collector says, one down, five to go. And then we have another end credit scene where Thor arrives back on Earth and Jane greets him upstairs and they kiss. So that is Thor the Dark World. Tessa, tell me why you love this movie so much, besides obviously Loki's charming good looks. Well, um, there's a multitude of reasons that I like it. Um, as much as I do, it probably solidified Loki as my favorite villain in right. the MCU even though he wasn't the actual villain of this film in particular. Um, I think that's part of the draw of it for me, though, is because it humanizes him so much, and it also develops him in a way other Marvel villains haven't been. You actually feel empathy for him here. Um, I actually relate greatly to some of the things that he experiences, especially with that sibling dynamic. You know, mm -hmm. and I really like the way they delve into that more. But, um, I mean, long story short, I am very familiar with some of the things that he experiences in that film. Okay. You know, that feeling of um, not living up to what your parents want you to do, um, walking in someone else's shadow, constantly being, you know, under, I don't want to say underappreciated, but under... It's very much, like, underappreciated, too, yeah. but I see, I see what you're trying to say. Yeah, like, he's constantly thought less of. Like, devalued. Yeah. 
And it's almost like he struggles with that feeling of just never being good enough. So why try? Right. And I think that's actually really interesting because his, you know, chaotic nature comes from a very understandable place. Yeah. And like I've said this before, and I will continuously be a Loki defender, but he, you know, that's part of his character is the trickster god. Like he is, that's part of his arc is he he's not going to always be good and he's not always going to be bad. He's going to be somewhere in between and he's going to play to whatever works his advantage. But you're very right in that, like, you find out so much more about him as a character and you got to feel for the dude. Like, oh, he's yeah. been through so much. And that's of course, he's going to take out, you know, he's the trickster god. He's going to take out his rage in the way that he does. But, like, it's well-deserved, so. Yeah, and I know this isn't, you know, that... um I know this isn't the same film, but I really like how it plays up on that. And then also how he interacts with Thor throughout the entire film, especially after the loss of his mother, um, quite possibly one of the most important people in his life, because she Mm -hmm. is the only one who, you know, recognizes his value and treats him like an individual instead of just a random afterthought. Which is so sad, like, when we see him... You know, after she dies and we see him in the room, like, the room is torn apart and oh, yeah. he looks a mess. And you just know that this affected him so much. And it's just like, ugh, look. I was say, I might get a little laughed at for this, but I actually tear up a little bit at that part. No, I, I don't think that's something to be laughed at. I think, you know, it's a it's a sad scene, so. Oh, yeah, for sure. And um, the way that he leaves his relationship with Thor at the end of it is so great too, because it sets up perfectly for when they're reunited in Ragnarok. Right. Oh yes. That's such a good scene. And also such a well done scene, considering at that moment, we don't know what he's done with the King, but right. He really does send Thor off nicely. Like he could have done such a bad, like he could have done so much worse with that like he could have been the king and like banished him for life and just started a whole bunch of shit shit but he was like you know what like we ended on a pretty good note he thinks i'm dead this is the perfect time for me to rule and let him do his own thing and i'm not gonna be a dick about it oh definitely and i just i really appreciate the fact that they developed a villain so thoroughly because so many other essentially every other Marvel film, you don't really get that development, you know? And, um, I mean, even with Thanos, you get some development, but it's not this huge overarching story either, Mm -hmm. you know? And I just, I think it's great that they actually did that for one of their bad guys. For sure. And speaking about villains, um, I thought Malakath was like one of the weakest villains that we have ever seen in any of the MCU films. I 100% agree with that. He is not a strong villain. Um, But I don't think that Thor Dark World, I don't think it was necessarily a film meant to be about stopping the bad guy. I think this was more so focused on the dynamic that is Thor with his family and exploring that world more. I think Malekith was just a plot device. And, oh, for sure. But then yeah. when you say that, then I think that this whole movie was kind of pointless then. Like, they could have... I mean, I understand it's not pointless because it's doing what you're saying it's supposed to be doing, but then I forgot what they call it when movies do this, where it's like the whole movie <laughs> is just kind of like 
why did we just go through all this shit? It serves a purpose, right? Like what you're saying, it's more about right. this family thing. Like if the mom dies, Loki and Thor get back together and they fall apart again. And, you know, we see this relationship be there and come out. But at the same time, it's like, why did you just watch it? Yeah. Why? No, and I completely understand. Um, granted, my my ranking of it is a little bit higher than everyone else's. <laughs> and I think it's and because that's okay. I have... And that's why you're here. And that's I, I oh, love yeah. hearing your opinion because it makes me appreciate the film more. So. Yeah, I mean, I would probably have it ranked higher if the villain were stronger and mm-hmm. it was more of a, you know, of a fight against evil versus, you know, the the good of Thor. And I I will admit the villain is a little weak, but... I think they could have done more with him, too, which sucks. Like, I feel like that would have been such a cooler character, but he was always just kind of, like, on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. And honestly... People always um, kind of laugh at this, and they think it's one of the stronger points of the film. But I honestly, I feel like they spent way too much time on Jane Foster. And oh, I, I get, think that's the worst as well. I, yeah. I thought Jane was super, super weak in this film. Yeah, and Jane I get and that, Darcy. you know, she's the plot device for the other, and I get that. But I feel like if they would have just excluded her and had more more time to focus on actual what's happening in Asgard and, you know, the Nine Realms and everything else, it would have been a much stronger film. Everything, like, I know I was talking to Maria in episode four about how in the comics, apparently Jane does have to go to Asgard for something, but for some reason this film, like, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like it fits, like, when she goes there. It's not organic. No, and then, I don't I hate to say this, <laughs> but like, was anybody getting like super Star Wars uh, yes. people vibes from this? Like, oh, we're so lovey dovey in Asgard so... when all this like serious stuff is happening. And it's like, oh no, not again, Natalie Portman. Why? <laughs> so, the reason I'm uh, laughing about this, um, so, fun fact recently, I've only seen Star Wars for the first time. And by recently, I mean in the past, you know, a few years. Mm-hmm. But I went my entire life for the most part without seeing it until, you know, um, Eric, my fiancé, found out. And he freaked out and immediately <laughs> sat me down to watch all of them. And I wish I hadn't watched the prequels specifically because now the mere sight of Natalie Portman really annoys me. I know it sucks because I really do like Natalie Portman. I love her as an actress and actually so Revenge of the Sith is one of my favorite films but the what is the second one called? Um, uh, Attack of the Clones. So bad. Like <laughs> <laughs> even so Revenge of the bad. Sith the only thing that saved it I I still think is Ewan McGregor because he's amazing and everything and I adore him. Yeah but, and I think Chloe oof who is on the Age of Ultron episode, might get a little bit mad at me saying that Attack of the Clones is so bad because she loves Grievous. Oh, no. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, okay, so this is not a Star Wars pop... Between you and your fiancé getting me off the rails about I'm other, so like, sorry. sci-fi fantasy series... Sorry. Uh, you led fine. yourself there. You led yourself I did. there. You I said did. it reminded you of it. I did. I'm so. sorry. Anyway, um... That's the vibes that I got, and Jane was super weak, so was Darcy, and for some reason, when I, before I watched the film, I was like, oh, I remember Darcy being, like, like, such a good, like, 
comedic Side relief. character, yeah. But she wasn't. Like, I, I was like, she really didn't do anything in this film. Um, there is one reason I appreciate Darcy in this movie. She calls it Meow Meow, and I love yeah, it. Yeah, Meow Meow, yes. Meow Meow. <laughs> but, I love no, that I, as well. I agree. I feel like in first the first Thor and this Thor, everything that happens on Earth is so weak. You know what I mean? For like, sure. The Earth stuff is what kind of takes you out of it because you're in this huge fantastical fantasy land and then it brings you to earth and you're like wait what i agree i think that's part of the part of the reason why i do feel like it makes it less interesting because what makes thor as a character so cool is seeing like the nine realms and all these other things in the universe and then they take us back to earth and i'm like you have so much better shit you could be doing right now and that's why Ragnarok is so good, I think. Exactly. Is, oh, yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, I'm going to a different movie now myself, so <laughs> let me rewind. It's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I thought that the Warriors 3 were so much underused. better. Underused? No, no, no. Well, they were underused in the first film. Like, yeah. they're always, so they're always underused. In all the films, they are I mean, underused. I mean, Ragnarok, it's done in, like, two it's seconds. Done. Exactly. So. Exactly. <laughs> but... I felt they actually had a purpose in this film and they were actually shown doing something cool. Like when they were all kind of blocking Odin's way to let them go. And that was pretty cool. And I liked seeing that. I like the um, intro scene whenever Thor is, you know, returning peace to the nine realms and you see Lady Sif actually like battling in action. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really cool moment too. It was super cool. But the thing that bugs me with everything that I see about Lady Sif is it's always like, Thor, go love her, not Jane. Yeah. And it's like, let's stop using them as women Romantic objects. Plot yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, oh, just let Lady Sif be like a badass bitch, you know? But I feel like the only reason I was okay with it, um, with, you know, Odin being like, oh, well, you know, look, you have a perfect alternative to Jane Foster right in front of you, you know, and talking about Lady Sif is because he's saying that because she is such a badass Mm -hmm. and he recognizes that and he recognizes she's powerful and she's this amazing female. And that's why he's trying to push Thor towards her because of her, like, because of how strong she is. And I think that's the only reason I'm okay with it because normally Mm -hmm. I'm not okay or about it. I kind of noticed this, and I wanted to know if this is, like, if you notice this true and this is, like, true, but when they are having that scene where, the like, all the warriors are, like, fighting and training and stuff, I did notice the weapons having, like, a little bit of more, like, electric to them. I know they use the yeah. Tesseract to rebuild the bridge. Do, do you think they use the Tesseract on their weapons as well to, like, upgrade them? See, I don't know. Um... I'm not sure how hesitant or not hesitant they would be to use power from the Tesseract, but I think it's a possibility, especially with that moment where they bring the the either the ether to the collector because they mention they don't want two stones on Asgard. They recognize how much power is in that, mm-hmm. so they want to separate it. So I feel like maybe they could be using it. Um Mostly because that would be why they're hesitant to have a second, because they don't want to be drawn to the idea of using more than one. Right. Which I think that's actually really cool in the film, too, is seeing how the Collector ends up with an Infinity Stone, of all things, because, you know, it's it's a very random thing for that type of person to collect or to end up with, because it is so incredibly powerful. And what's really cool is... 
in the end scene, this is the first time that we ever hear the word Infinity Stone being used. Yeah. Because, like, in Avengers, we see the Tesseract, but it's just called the Tesseract. Same thing with Captain America. It's just the Tesseract. And then, even throughout the whole movie, they're referring to it as the Ether and not as the uh, Reality Stone. And when we get to the end and they pass it off, they're just like, we can't have two of these. And he says, they say something about an Infinity Stone, then it's it. And you're like, oh, shit, what's an Infinity Stone? Comic fans are going to know. But, like, if I'm not a comic fan, I don't know what this is, which is really cool because Guardians is coming up and that's going to actually dive into the meaning of them and what they are. And it's really exciting. Yeah. But I wanted to also mention, too, that uh, while we're talking about end credit scene, I don't know if anybody else had this thought, too. And it might be, and I'm sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to say it again. It might be because I, um, put this movie at the bottom of my list every time, but when the end scene happens where Thor arrives in New York and she runs up to the thing to give him a kiss and you, they're on a rooftop into the skyline. I just think about the room in that scene where he runs out and he's like, I did not hit her. I did not. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen The Room? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's all I think about, because it looks like the exact same building and, like, the exact same, like, skyline, and that's all I think about, and it ruins it for me every time. That's fair. I mean, that's that's perfectly fair. And honestly, you don't have to apologize for putting this at the bottom of your list. I mean, I I understand why people have it there. Um, I think another huge draw though to this movie for me personally is and it kind of links to how you know they don't spend as much time on earth because they really don't he touches down grabs jane foster and takes back off Mm -hmm. for the most part except for you know like the little finale at the end it's pretty much all on asgard and i think it's really interesting because you get to see more of you know the the mythology part of it and i Mm -hmm. think that's really cool but. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I love whenever they tie in more of the mythology. I know that we see, um, I am going to mess this up, but it's Hugin and Munin, I think is the what the name of the um, Odin's crows are. But we see them ever so slightly in the first Thor, um, but yeah. they're kind of out of the frame. But we see them a lot in this movie, which was a really cool nod to mythology and letting us see that. So I like that as well. Yeah. And see, we see more about the Nine Realms. We learn about the Dark Elves. It is very much, like, mythology-heavy and less so much, like, Marvel Comics-heavy, which was cool as well, so. Yeah, and, I mean, I'm trying to, you know, emphasize. I get why it's so low for some people. Like, for me, my bottom on my list is, honestly, probably Iron Man 2. Yeah, that's, that gets to the bottom of my list, too, so. It's just that character development is so damn strong. And it yeah. sets up for so much stuff. So much stuff. And I think that's why I'm okay. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, how, you know, at the end you're like, well, why did I just watch what I watched? I think originally my ranking of it was a lot lower until more films from the MCU came out. And then going back to rewatch it, I appreciate it so much more because it links into so many different faucets. You know what I mean? Yeah. For sure. I think that's why it's so high on my list is because of how well it weaves into so many other stories. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do think it's super cool that this is the first actual mention of the Infinity Stones, you know? Yeah. 
It's a film. <laughs> it's all I have to say. No, I've said a lot, but um, yeah, uh, we can talk about how good looking Loki is in this film because he really is. That scene um, when they're on that little boat looking thing and they're yep. gonna go into the cave to get through another like realm. Uh, he <laughs> when he takes over the the controls, so he's gonna like drive the boat. He makes this yeah. like smirk, and I was like. Ugh, I just melted. I was like, oh, I love, I love him. So oh, basic, man. but I can't help myself. No, it's okay. I have been a huge advocate of Loki and his attractiveness since um, we first see him, actually. So, yeah. <laughs> Which gets me a lot of, oh, but he looks like a rat. And I'm like, oh, I don't even care. I guess no, I love I, rats. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's fine. Just like, let me like what I like. It's fine. <laughs> I'm I'm laughing because um, Eric made a comment about how we we're just going to talk about how attractive Loki is. I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. It, it's definitely happening. And here so. we are. Um, something that I thought was really cool and not actually like more like really interesting was on Malekith's suit. It looked very similar. Like he had a little like star symbol and it looks very similar to the same star that we see in um, Captain Marvel in their suits. And then also, like, just in general, like, the Nova Corps suits that yeah. we see in, like, Guardians of the Galaxy. And I tried to, like, look it up and see if that was connected and nothing really came up about it. So I wonder if, if there is a connection there or if just in general, like, people from the universe that build their own things just like this nice little star on their chest. I don't know. I thought that was really cool and I was I was wondering where that came from. Any I mean, I don't want to say too much because I know we're going to save talking about like Captain Marvel and stuff towards the end whenever mm-hmm. spoilers abound, but we're going to circle back to this because I really want to say something but yeah, I don't want to Yeah, spoil we will something. we will definitely circle back for <laughs> sure. Um is there anything else about this film that you really want to dive into? I mean, honestly, I feel like we've covered pretty much covered everything a lot. that like, I feel about it, personally. Yeah, a lot of character development, for sure, going on. I love the family dynamics. In general, the plot point was a little weak for me. Well, very weak for me. And which sucks is that a lot of the plot centers around Jane. But that's really That weak. is the unfortunate part. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe it would have been cool and, like... A better device if Loki had the ether in him, and yeah. that had, and then something happened there to develop more of them, and then maybe he was a little bit more evil about it. I don't know. I was just thinking or, of like other things. See, I always thought it would have been a lot more interesting too, if not Loki, but Thor had Ooh, yeah, absorbed yeah, yeah. the ether because then. Loki would have this kind of, you know, chaotic um, impulse to try and steal it for himself from Thor, but also that dynamic of he needs to save his brother. Right. Like, something like that would have been so much better if they wouldn't have had the whole Jane thing. Yeah, Um, I I couldn't buy Loki caring about what happened to Jane. I, mm -hmm. I mean, he didn't, to be fair. Thor got him to participate by saying you can get revenge for... Him killing our mother, and oh, that's what got him for sure. On board, but and another shout out when I was looking up like interesting things about this film, um, the scene where he chops off his arm, uh, and it's all kind of like a vision to like trick the dark elves or whatever. But when he does that, that is a nod to 
Star Wars, now that we've talked about Star Wars so much. That is a nod to um, Luke Skywalker getting his um, oh. hand chopped off. Yeah. I never knew that. The more you yep. know. The okay. more you know. Yeah. So that was that. Um, yeah. Do you think we'll ever see Jane again? No. Because she was not, she has not been in anything she wasn't in. I don't before. think so. If I remember right, which I could be remembering completely wrong. Don't take my word on this. I have a terrible memory. But if I'm remembering <laughs> correctly, I want to say that there was some kind of difficulty during production. Right. Wasn't she? I think it's because uh, wasn't Patty Jenkins on the first film like and she wasn't yes, on the second? That's what it was. Um, and I think that's why I think they wrote her off. Yeah. Which is why in the beginning of Thor Ragnarok, they address it really quick by being like, oh, sorry, Jane dumped you. Yeah. And that's all you hear about Jane, which is crazy to me because he was so, you know, quote unquote, head over heels for. Her. Yeah, because in Ultron, he makes one small, co- like he at the party yeah. in Age of Ultron, he's like bragging about Jane. So we think maybe she'll <laughs> come back. But I guess they just could not convince Natalie Portman to come back because that film probably just got so much hate. And I mean, she's missing out because the MCU is making lots of money. Oh, um, I'm fine with it, though, because that's I think. The only real reason we might have gotten Valkyrie. True. Which I love. I love the compatibility and the, you know, the um, chemistry. There's the word I'm looking for between Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. Ooh. Which is why I'm super excited for the Men that's in Black That's what you think. Film. Well, yeah, that's cool, but... Um, oh, no, even if I'm they just... i super, super gay train that Tessa <laughs> of... Thompson... Like, yeah. Valkyrie and Captain Marvel are going to hook up. So, like, that's what I'm on that train for. <laughs> no, I, I've I've heard many advocates for that train. I don't know necessarily if anything would happen between Valkyrie no, and yeah. Thor. It's kind of just like a fan it's fiction more so, thing, you know? It's more so I like the chemistry, like, the buddy-buddy chemistry they even have. Right, right, right. Just from little bits that I've seen, they they play off of each other really well. And if they do carry that over into something more, I think that could work. But if they don't, I'm fine with that, too. So, and I mean, I wouldn't be mad at Captain Marvel and Valkyrie. I wouldn't. (laughs) But, yeah. I guess we could talk more about Jane in the Endgame spoilers, because I would like to, like, at least have a clip, like, like, something that she's going to do could come to play um but we'll get to that um towards the end but before we talk about that i really want to know what your top three marvel movies are um so two of the three are pretty cliche um my number one is winter soldier okay much for the same reason that i love uh dark world i like that like brotherly bond that is played on a lot between steve and bucky and I like whenever a film focuses on uh, a duo right? and, you know, conflict between the duo rather than this huge overarching story and not really focusing on characters. Um, it made me appreciate Steve a lot more because before then, I, don't get me wrong, I love the first Captain America film, but I wasn't really on the Captain America train that much because he was a little bit of a bland cookie cutter personality yeah i i definitely feel the same way i love i think i've said it before too like captain america by himself i'm just kind of like okay it's cap but then when we started getting the winter soldier and civil war and these more when we really start to break down and again get that character development that we really enjoy from these films it's so much of a better payoff so i i agree 
I think, too, it's like him questioning his morals that he's so sure of that makes it so interesting. And you see a lot of that, too, in Winter Soldier. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like what he would go through to protect a friend or to help a friend, even if it means going against like everything he possibly supports. And I love that film for that. Mm -hmm. And it made me appreciate Captain America a lot more, like I said. And then um, my second one is Infinity War. Okay, fair. Everybody loves Infinity um, War. It was amazing to see certain characters together that, you know, before they started building it up, you would have never expected to see. Like, I, just watching the films by themselves, I never would have expected to see Iron Man and Spider-Man. Oh, wait. No, wait. Is this spoiler territory? I forget. Oh, yeah. So, I uh, guess... Well, don't do any major spoilers. I think we do see Iron Ooh. Man and Spider Man in With the a same group of people. Yeah, I'll yeah. Just say we, that. In the trailers, I think that was a thing. But but I get. Okay. Yeah, continue. <laughs> I'll just say with a certain group of people, people right. who listen to this will know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, and it's just an amazing thing to see because it's it's wild. You know, you wouldn't expect for those things to happen, really. I'm just watching those characters' films by themselves. So I really appreciated that just for, you know, the fangirl in me. I think that's why I have it as high as I do. I do have problems with the overarching plot. Okay. Uh, More specifically, uh, certain plans that Thanos has, which is it safe to say we all know what his plans are? Can I talk about that? Um, Yeah, you (laughs) can talk about his plans for sure. Yeah, you know, he wants to... Yeah, because they mentioned it in the trailer. He wants to wipe out half the world's population with a snap. I have so many issues with that, and so many other people seem to as well, because you have the Infinity Gauntlet. You can do so many different things rather than just killing half the world's population, you know, or getting rid of half the world's population. And that really bothers me, because if you're this good person like he thinks he is, I don't get why he wouldn't just create more resources or create a second reality to where more people could live. In, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, for sure. But I think that's what makes him a villain. Like, oh, no, it definitely is. It and he thinks he's helping people, but in reality, he's like, he's doing yeah. the worst. Like, he, he doesn't realize that that's such a bad thing. So, And, I mean, that is what makes him a villain, but that's also why I have problems with him as a villain, because he constantly talks about doing good, and he's not. I get that's what makes him a villain. It's this weird back and forth I have. It's the one thing that makes me think, uh, maybe not. <laughs> but I, I do really appreciate the film in general, and I appreciate the fact that they have this huge, imminent danger to stop. And they're all working towards it, and I think that's great. It is very great. Uh, And what is your number three? My number three is actually Thor Ragnarok. So good. It's up there for me. So hilarious to me, because for a while my third was Civil War, but (laughs) I had to really, like, stop and think about it. Yeah, I I adore Thor Ragnarok. Plus, can I just say, that makeover scene for Chris Hemsworth, where they cut off all of his hair... Made me appreciate Chris Hemsworth so much more as a physical specimen. I was like, wow, Same. that long agreed. hair really was not doing it for me. No, agreed. He <laughs> looks so much better with his short hair. I also really loved um, when he had the Odin thing going on with the uh, the one eye. Oh, but yeah. Not going to spoil anything, but, you know, um, that, no. that doesn't last very long. 
No, it doesn't. But um, I did really appreciate, though, the moment he realizes or finds out, like, his hammer wasn't the source of his power. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool. And I really appreciated that. And that whole scene that they filmed was beautiful. You know, all the lightning just coming out of him. And also, I can't advocate enough how much I love Kate Blanchett in this movie. (laughs) I love her as well. And I feel like a lot of people don't which sucks because i feel like she was such a good villain she looked badass i wanted to be her but i also wanted her to like like no i don't know <laughs> like i I, <laughs> I feared her but i wanted to be her and oh love her love that love everything about that and the fact that it made a villain like have stakes oh yeah because most of the villains go up against Thor and he throws his hammer at them and that's it. But like, this yeah. is like, oh no, fuck you. That was my hammer first. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alert. We'll get to it in a couple episodes. But like, yeah, I love, I love Thor Ragnarok. Oh man. And then that like first scene where they introduce her. So good. And Thor realizes how much trouble he's in. Mm-hmm. And then of course, poor Loki realizing that they're kind of screwed in that moment. And he's just like, let's run away. And then he makes everything worse. But... I feel like that's Loki's downfall is he's always trying to get himself out of things or into things and always just making things worse. And I just want to like, oh, entirely keep him in a little cage and be like, <laughs> stop it. Just hang out with me. Stop being so bad. It's it's humorous because he's so sneaky by nature that he's always, like, overestimating what he can handle. And then instantly when he realizes he's fucked up, I'm sorry, language, I apologize, messed up. <laughs> you're, um, such a, you're such a cap, it's fine. Language. Uh, <laughs> um, well, whenever, you know, he realizes he messes up, he's instantly in the mindset of, I need to run away. And I think it's hilarious because he never owns up to his mistakes because in his mind he like I know he I know for sure like he has to realize he makes mistakes but he never admits to them and I find that very humorous oh it is something that I I realized while watching this film too uh Thor Dark World is that there's a scene where he's talking to Fandral and like the rest of the uh the Warriors 3 and he's like Mm -hmm. When are you going to realize that Loki is always going to betray you? And he's like, I'm not going to fall for it this time. But he does. <laughs> and then, and then he, you know, he always consistently falls for Loki. And then at the end, Thor Ragnarok, there's a scene where Loki goes to betray him and he's like, I saw it coming, dude. And he doesn't let him do it. It's such a good scene. It's like, finally, finally, yeah. you don't fall for it. So good. Oh, man. But. I feel like, oh, uh, no, I'm not going to go into that because Thor Ragnarok is not the film that I'm talking about. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's it's really good. I That's another reason that Loki is so great because he is so predictable and not predictable at the same time. Also, like, Loki in that black suit in Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> Whew, we need to stop. This We are not here for Loki. Oh, my God. But we can't get away from it. I mean, to be fair, though, he is the driving reason that I love this movie so much, because hands down, I don't think anyone would argue with me. This is the best Loki film that's oh, been yeah. made. Agreed. Agreed. 100%. I 100%. Just... If you are Loki stan, watch Thor Dark World, because maybe you'll appreciate this film a little bit more than most people. So, um, So, yeah, and talking about the rating system um where like if you had to put thor dark world 
in the top 21, where would you put it? <laughs> I don't want to say. I know I need to say, but I don't want to say. Because, Just say it. Say it. Oh, uh, okay. Um, it kind of teeters back and forth depending on what mood I'm in for the day, but it usually <laughs> flip flops between 11 and 10. That's not, that's not as uh, high as I thought it was going to be. It used to be at eight, but then Thor Ragnarok and Captain Marvel came out. Yeah. And it's, it's your opinion. And that's why we have you on the, for this episode is because you love it so much and that's fine. But I will tell you now, I'm going to get into my rating and you might. You might be upset, but it's fine. So for my rating for the snap is episode eight. So there's eight movies on here and we will start from the top. So number one, The Avengers. Number two, Captain America. Number three, Iron Man. Number four, Thor. Number five, Incredible Hulk. Number six, Iron Man three. Number seven, Iron Man two. And number eight, Thor Dark World. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I take no offense to that. I honestly take zero offense to that. Because like I said, there's films that other people love that I have really low. So yeah. like I Iron Man I 2 and more. 3 just all the That's way why they're pretty at much the at the bottom. People will fight, will fight me about it as well. But I mean, you know what? They're not good films. I like them all the way at the bottom of my list. So, But yeah, another one too that people rank really high or not really high, but, you know, higher than I would expect, and it's at the bottom pretty much for me, it's probably The Incredible Hulk. Because yeah, you didn't that's what a that. lot of people say. Just, I don't Whenever... know. I, there's something about Edward Norton's face that makes me want to punch him. <laughs> that's really funny. Is it because of Fight Club? <laughs> no, no. I think it's just because I kind of, I don't know. Got you. You know what I mean? Most people, when I tell them my list and my numbers, uh... They're a little shocked by where I have Incredible Hulk and how it's above Iron Man 3, 2, and Thor. But it's like, I actually have fun watching that film, but it's still not higher than, like, <laughs> the rest of them. It's just, it goes above those. Right. And it's no, also kind of like a slap in the face to those three. But it's like, I don't, it's it's my opinion. That's my <laughs> opinion. <laughs> and everyone is entitled to an opinion. Exactly. And that's why, that's why the show is a thing. So I can talk to everybody and talk to all my guests and everybody's gonna have a different list and a different top three so it's fine um tessa thank you so much for coming out here and talking to me about thor the dark world yeah it's been fun it's been nice to have a a nice opinion for the film because most of the time people aren't that nice about it so it's refreshing and it's <laughs> it's it gets a lot of appreciation from you, and I love that. That's good. I hope I did a decent job at explaining why I love it so much. I think I you did. I, I get it. So, so yeah, if you liked listening to Tessa talk to me about Thor, uh, follow her on Twitter. It's at smash underscore bro. Really, really cool uh, Twitter. So it's S-M-A-S-H underscore B-R-E-A-U-X. Um, so, yeah, and then also follow me on Twitter for the updates on the podcast at the snap mcu uh just to see what episode is coming out next we are on itunes now so if you are listening on itunes services and you want to give us uh, a rating or drop a little review down there that would be awesome and it would be much appreciated uh but yeah before we get into endgame and talk about the spoilers this is my warning that spoilers are coming and possibly you know we might not spoil something but also what if we 
say something that ends up being true and you hate me for it. So don't, don't do it to yourself. If you don't want to hear spoilers, uh, you want to go into the movie theater blind for Endgame, stop listening now. The next episode is going to be on The Winter Soldier. A uh, really cool episode, Captain America 2. So, so yeah, check that out. And yeah, Tessa, do you have anything that you really want to see happen in Endgame? Um, there is one thing that I'm really excited for. Um, with everything that happened in Infinity War, there's one thing that kind of dawned on me whenever I left the theater. And that is we never got the reunion between Tony and Steve. They still have not seen each other once. No, they haven't. Since it happened. Yeah, since their big disagreement and, you know, Civil War. So I think it's going to be really interesting for them to be facing this huge predicament. And that's also going to be their first encounter since they've had their first gigantic disagreement. And um, I think what's going to be interesting, this is my theory personally, I think they're going to have them reunite uh, maybe a little earlier in the film, you know, and they're going to show them kind of mending. And I feel like they're going to get to a point whenever they're fighting together and they remember how it is to fight with each other and they start reconnecting that way as well. And then I think something's going to happen, something major. I don't know what, but I feel like a sacrifice is going to have to get made. Mm-hmm. Tony is going to try so hard to make that sacrifice. I don't think that because it's in his nature at this point. You know, he's made sacrifices. He's willing to do more sacrifice, especially with what happened with Spider-Man with Peter Parker at the end of Infinity War. And I feel like that's going to drive him to want to do whatever great thing has to be done to bring him back, you know? Right. And, I mean, it's not a spoiler at all. We all know Spider-Man's coming back. They've announced another film. Right. So, (laughs) I think what's going to happen is he's going to go to do it, and then Steve is going to beat him to it. And I think Steve, without a doubt, is going to die in this film. I think Bucky is going to take up the mantle. But I think also... With um, the death of Captain America, with the death of Steve, I feel like Tony is going to take that really heavy because it's what he does. And I think that might be what forces him to put it behind him. Okay. I like so that. I feel like, I like he would hang up the mantle. I I mean, I personally feel like... Like off the grid, just disappear. Yeah. And I feel like Pepper's also... I, I feel like she's pregnant just because of the broken up message that she tried to tell Tony. Right. And I feel like that's going to be the perfect way for him to go out and still be able to make cameos in Spider-Man, but not have, you know, a, a contract obligation to film more Iron Man movies, you know? And I think that's what I want to see happen, too, because I think it's really sad as well that Steve still does not feel like part of the world that he's in now. He's never felt like that. He's been completely disconnected for the most part. He's made friends and connections, but you can tell he never really feels at home. Right. Because he's not at home. So, yeah, that's that's my personal prediction. And I think that's what's going to kind of happen. Have you seen any of the trailers or um, the released scene that they put out recently? I haven't seen the most recent released trailer and scenes. Okay, well, (laughs) do you want me to tell you what happens or are you like, I don't want to see it? 
Honestly, if you want to talk about something that happens in it, that won't upset me. Well, because okay, it's three well, hours no. worth of movies. No, I'm not going to say it then because there is something that happens, and oh, no. um, you need to you need to watch it, or you know, or don't. What's really cool though is the reason why I was asking you bring it up is because they show a lot of stuff in the last trailer, and I don't think any of it's real. I think that like. 95% of what they've shown us in trailers is CGI'd or it's just like things they film to throw us off. Too, another thing that just I've I've heard like, you know, like bits and pieces of what occurs. I feel like Thanos is still capable of using the Infinity Stones even though the gauntlet is kind of worse for wear. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like he's going to use the Reality Stones to try and convince, especially with certain characters right because it would be very easy to win them over yeah i i don't know what to think because at first i was like all hyped for these trailers coming out and now i'm like i don't believe you i don't believe the russo brothers are telling us anything and i feel like that's the point is they want us to get hyped and they want us to think things are going to happen and then they never happen and then we are completely thrown off and i mean that would be very smart for them to do as well oh i'm so ready but Oh, and then also, I'm still really intrigued to see how they play out the whole um, Doctor Strange quote at the end of Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And I'm really curious to see, because, I mean, obviously, obviously the man saw something, you know, and I don't, I don't know how it's going to play out. And I'm very interested, of course, I mean, everyone's interested to see how it's going to play out, but specifically, you know, like what choices he made. He didn't have to give over the stone. He really didn't. No, but obviously there was a reason he saw something. Exactly. And they and have to they have to do the one thing, right? They have to do they have to win and there's only one way to win and hopefully right. they're doing it right. So Oh my goodness. I forgot about something. The star. The star on uh Malika. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The star that you were yes. talking about. I'm so sorry. sorry I'm I blanked so sorry. as well. No, you're fine. Uh, so Captain Marvel, um first of all loved it a lot, but um Captain Marvel kind of showed that any race could be a part of the Nova. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be a specific race. So, I mean, it's potential that Malekith might have had something to do with them at some point. Okay. You know what I mean? Because you don't have to be, like, they literally had every single, not every single, because that would be impossible to shoot, but they had so much diversity in the races they showed as part of the group, you know? Interesting. That's a good thing. The way that I was thinking of it, too, was that, like, I don't know. Like, we know Ronan is a bad guy, and we know that the Nova Corps are against Ronan. So right. there was, like, confusing parts of that that I didn't understand why the team was working for Ronan, but also under the Nova Corps. And then something else is that, like, aren't the Dark Elves, like, thousands and thousands of years old? And for some reason... When I think of the Nova Corps, I think of them being, like, fresh. I don't know why. I don't know what's telling me to think of them as being, like, a a newer, uh, like, police force kind of thing. Because that's basically what the Nova Corps are. They're, like, universe yeah. police. And um, see, I'm the opposite. I feel like... I feel like they've existed for so long, and that's why their technology is so scary advanced and why right. they have so many... So I, we're just thinking opposite for that. Well, I want if you are listening and you have like comic knowledge on this and you do want to like 
spill if you know what we're talking about if you're like oh this is why he has that or this is how long the nova Corps has been around just shoot me a dm uh at the snap mcu let me know um what you thought and your opinions on that but but yeah that's what i'm curious i'm also very curious about that i noticed that and it, it bugged me i was like wait that star looks familiar what's going on here so and i mean also too he's the only one in the dark elves with the star on his on his um armor was he? I didn't even pick that up. I didn't even look at the other one. So I, I'll be very honest. I just looked it up to see. Just to confirm. To, okay, cool. Yeah, just to like compare the star and everything. And it's showing him standing next to other dark elves and they don't have that star. Okay. So it's very unique to just him. So, and I mean, it's the same exact kind of shape too. It's like the long, skinny star with um, the smaller, shorter stems coming off of it. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I'm I'm very intrigued by that now. I didn't even connect that. <laughs> it's going to bother me now. <laughs> See, that's what I've been saying every episode is that ever since I started taking notes on these films and like really paying attention, I'm like noticing little details. And I'm like, oh, this has got to be important for Endgame. I got to write this down. Like, I just I'm trying to put the pieces together. So, yeah. So, oh, yeah. man. I always forget that's Christopher uh, Eccleston, too. Yeah, same. Like, I just I always forget it's that. It's because the villain is <laughs> underpowered and, like, not executed right. And well, also, the makeup think... makes him look a little different. <laughs> yeah, that, that too. So, but... is there any other um, theories that you want to talk about? Um, I mean, other than the ones that everyone else, uh, everyone else has, not really. Like, you know, everyone pretty much agrees they're trapped in the soul stone. Um that's not everybody gonna... a lot of well, people not everyone really lot, yeah a lot of people are against that i've talked to some people like on the podcast and question people huh. and a lot of people are like no i don't think that a lot of people think they are actually dead i am under a weird impression that like i i could see either or but i feel like they're stuck in the quantum realm and i've said this theory before so i'll like briefly say it again but i think um in the end credit scene where we see scott lang as Ant-Man go into the quantum realm, uh, the snap happens. We see the wasp and her mother, the old wasp, right. uh, disappear. We see like a whole bunch of like twinkles happen around him. Um, so I think that was like all the souls going into the quantum that realm. That is very fair. See, and I guess the only reason I thought, well, maybe they're trapped in the soul stone is because regardless of whether or not they are, because now you have me questioning it a little bit. Um, Gamora is, without a doubt in my mind, trapped in the Soul Stone. Oh, yeah. I think that's a, that's a given because she he was sacrificed. her in the Soul Stone. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, I mean, you see them multiple times. Like, in the comics, they they get trapped in that dimension, you know? And, I mean, it's not completely unplausible. Which is what shocks me about how so many people are against it. I mean, it would make sense to me for them to be trapped there. Yeah, I'm just, I'm ready to (laughs) roll. I'm ready for it. Every episode, like one episode, I'm like, I'm ready. Then the next episode, I'm like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Don't make me do it. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, I'm continuously going to be looking up theories and getting ready for this film. I mean... I'm ready to be sad, but I'm not ready to be that sad because I I truly think the only major character death that's going to happen is Captain America is going to be Steve. And then you're going to see Bucky pick up the shield. That would be a really cool scene. 
I don't want Bucky to pick up the shield, though. I want him to be his own thing. <laughs> um, That's fair. But, then, I mean, it would it would be different if he didn't do it in the comics. If he didn't take that right, mantle yeah. in the comics. But he does. And I think it would be really nice not to necessarily show him becoming Captain America, but just to see him literally pick up the shield. Because that would be a way for him to hold on to the memory right. of his friend. And that'll be kind of like an Easter egg for fans, too. For him to just, right. like, pick it up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, I think, I know I've mentioned this a lot, I don't think it's just Cap that's going to die. I think multiple people are going to die, but I think, I mean, I think everybody knows that Cap and Steve, I mean, Cap and uh, Tony, like, either one of them or both of them is going to die, but for sure, I think they're going to kill off people that we don't expect just because they need to give us some kind of shock value. Like, they need to give right. us something that we weren't expecting, so. So who do you think they would kill off? I think the main, the main people are going, I think, I think Cap, and Tony and Hawkeye and Black Widow, I think they're all dying. And then maybe some minor, not minor, because I love all the characters, but maybe some of the uh, the other people might die as well, like Rhodey or um, or Falcon or something like that. I can I can definitely understand that. I I don't know. I just don't see them. I don't see them killing Tony. Just like I don't see them killing Thor. I see Thor becoming a thing where he just goes off. And you don't really hear from him again, which is completely plausible because he's not from Earth. So why should he stay on Earth, you know? Right. And I, like I said, I just don't see him killing Tony because I see them using that for that final, that final like character push. And then, I don't know, that might just be me being really biased, though, because I would love <laughs> to see him, you know, for lack of a better term, riding off into the sunset. Right, um, yeah. It would be really nice, but also it would be really sad. <laughs> but it would be sad in a different way than watching him die. It would. I could see them killing off Mantis. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's such a random character. It's like you just I don't know. want them to be alive. <laughs> no, I love Mantis, but like I could see them killing off Mantis or like other minor characters like that. Right. I think that Nebula could potentially, and by potentially, I think Nebula would die. I just think um, it'd be so rewarding for Nebula to be the one to kill her father. I think somebody, she's going to be. I really do. She's going to have a huge hand needs in to it. do it. Like I know that we are all now invested in the original Avengers because of what he's done, but. Right. The Guardians have been after him since day one. Yeah, you know? exactly. Honestly, like, I I do think Nebula is going to have a very huge hand to play in it. Oh, but for I sure, because she does why. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's why she could also be one to die as well. I guess we'll see. We'll see on April 26th in theaters. Well, technically on April 25th, if you got your night before tickets like I did. I did indeed. Ready to, ready to roll. <laughs> so, yeah, Tessa, once again... Thank you for hanging out, talking about yeah. the MCU with me and Thor Dark World and our Endgame thoughts. It's been a blast. Really enjoyed Indeed. this. Yeah. Thank you for dealing with my awkward pauses as I search for the words. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I do the same thing all the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, again, if you enjoy the podcast, make sure to follow us on Twitter at the Snap MCU, uh, where we'll be putting out the updates on episode releases. They're coming out fast making it to where you can binge this stuff before Endgame. So, so yeah, uh, thank you guys for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.